Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Join me as we head into service. The whole counsel of God. Whenever I counsel people, I do my very best to only, whether it's about marriage, whether it's about issues in their life, whether it's trouble, whether it's a dark place that they find themselves, it's always the counsel of God. Even if I talk about experiences, it relates to my experience with God. There's something about the counsel of God that makes things right. It's not about opinion. It's not about philosophy. It's not about the point of view of another. It's important to listen to different points of view. But it, when it comes to counsel, we want to proclaim, we want to declare the whole counsel of God. So let's look at our text. It's found in Acts chapter 20, verses 27 and 28. Father, I pray now that you would bless your word. Watch over your word to perform it today. Give us your counsel. You are wonderful when you counsel. Speak to us in a way that we understand. Speak to each of us in a language that we understand today. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts 20 and 27 reads, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul called the elders of Ephesus together, and he was speaking to them for the last time face to face. He let them know after today, you will see my face no more. And he brought them together and, and reminded them that while he was with them, Paul was with them for three years straight. They got to observe his life. They saw him go to work making tents. For those who came and visited him, he took care of them. He didn't lean on anyone. He was an example. And when he opened his mouth, he declared, the whole counsel of God. He didn't give his opinion as a Pharisee. He didn't give his opinion as a person who had many experiences, who spoke multiple languages. None of that mattered. It was not about intellect. It was about God and the spirit of God. So he said to them, I've given you the whole counsel of God and therefore you need to take heed to yourself. You need to watch over the flock of God. And as you're doing it, you give them what you've received. I want you to know, beloved, that you cannot declare the counsel of God, the whole counsel of God, unless you receive the whole counsel of God. It's, it's important that we receive counsel from godly people, that we go to the word of God, that we seek the face of God, that we discern the spirit of God so that when the word that comes out of our mouth, it is the word of God. 
People's lives depend on it. Paul said, you make sure that you feed the flock, that the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Paul might have consecrated them. He might have anointed and laid hands on them, but he wanted them to know it was the Spirit of God who put you in the position that you're in. And so you now owe it all to him. He also reminded them that the flock, the precious people of God, you precious people of God, God purchased you with his own blood. And so it is very, very important that what comes out of the mouth of those who instruct you is the counsel of God because the church of God, the people of God, was purchased by precious blood. And Paul said God purchased the church with his own blood. And so take heed. And it's interesting to know that Paul realized that even though the only thing that came out of his mouth and the only thing that he declared was the whole counsel of God, that there were some people who were listening to him who would speak perversion because they wanted to bring the flock to them. It's God's flock. There's something dangerous about lust for power. These people who heard the gospel for three years in a row, nothing but the counsel of God. Paul said, I know it breaks my heart that some of you are going to speak perversion in order to bring the flock away. Also, there are going to be others that come in unaware because there's nobody watching on the wall. There's nobody interceding. They're going to come in and they're going to scatter the flock. This made Paul sad. The people who heard it were sad because they weren't going to see Paul's face anymore. What that tells me is they had developed such a dependency on Paul that they forgot that the Holy Ghost was the one who put them in that position, not Paul. Paul was a great man of God, but he was a man. He realized it's not about me. It's about the God who I declare. And that's why I declare unto you the whole counsel of God. And Paul was a great example for them. And he wanted them to be a great example for the people. But the Spirit of God revealed to Paul that even those that you're speaking to, some of them are going to speak perversion. And they're going to try and draw some of the flock to themselves for themselves. The whole counsel of God how do we attain it? How do we preserve it? How do we know when we have it? Well, if we look at the life and ministry of Paul in Acts 9 and 6, I think there's some instruct, instructive insight in that one verse. Acts 9 and 6. It's talking about Paul on the Damascus road, on the day of his conversion. He had in his mind been following God. He was of the tribe of Israel. He was a Benjamite. He was a Pharisee. He was taught in the law. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, a very wise man, but he had not had an experience with God himself. 
it's, an, it's interesting that there are people who know of God, but they don't know him for themselves. You cannot receive the whole counsel of God except you receive it from God. Somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Acts 9 and 6 reads, So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Paul, having been blinded by the light of the glory of Jesus Christ, now cries out, Lord, what do you want me to do? The first step in receiving the whole counsel of God is asking him, what do you want me to do? It's not about an appointed position. It's not about someone giving you an assignment. It's about the Lord telling you what he wants you to do. That's how we get in alignment with him. That's how we work together in unity because we all understand the purpose that God has brought us together for and we together can declare the whole counsel of God. Paul goes on to say, or the scripture says, then the Lord said to him, because Paul asked a question in earnest, the Lord responded, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The counsel of God is received as we walk in obedience. The Lord responded to him, go into the city. He didn't even tell him what city. He said, go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Paul asked the question, Lord, what do you want me to do? You would think that he would have gotten an answer that told him what to do. He said the Lord wanted him to know the first step is you have to walk in obedience. I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you your purpose. I'll reveal your life's work, but you first must walk in obedience. It's the same for me. It's the same for you. As it was for Paul, so it is for us. And I want to walk through some of Paul's journey just a little bit, focused on the city. And I want to focus on two cities, Jerusalem and Rome, to make the point. If you look at Acts 20, and at some point I encourage you to read it so that you get the full context of the verse. But then in verse, in chapter 21, Paul is about to go to Jerusalem. After he leaves Ephesus and he speaks to the elders and gives them the charge and speaks prophetically to them, the next chapter talks about him going to Jerusalem. And before he gets on the ship, there's a prophet. His name is Agabus. And he was known as a prophet of God because he had prophesied a famine and it came to pass. Pass. They called it a dearth, which is a famine. And it came to pass. So he had a reputation of being a prophet of God. He walks in the midst of where Paul was with the other apostles or disciples. And he takes a belt that belonged to Paul and he bound, tied up his hands and feet. And he said, to whom this girdle, which is belt, belongs to, 
when this man goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be bound hand and foot. And they started to beg Paul, please don't go. They were giving him counsel that was consistent with what the prophet was saying. This tells you something about counsel. It could be right. It could be true. But if it's not from, from God for you, it's not the counsel of God. And so Paul heard this and he said to them, why are you weeping, breaking my heart with these weeping? with this weeping. He said, I don't go to Jerusalem just to be bound. I go to die for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to Jerusalem. And the Bible said the disciples stopped asking because they knew they couldn't change his mind. Paul had received the counsel of God and he was going. He wasn't looking for an easy way out. He just wanted to do the will of God. He wanted to obey God at all cost. And so he went into Jerusalem and he was bound just like the prophet said, but he was also set free. God has a way to bring us out. He will bring us out every time. There's something about the God that we serve. He will never put more on you than you can bear. But if you have a propensity to look for the easy way out, there are times you can miss the counsel of God because Paul had determined, I've got to go to Jerusalem. The Lord told me to go to Jerusalem. I understand, Agabus, that you're a prophet. God bless you. I respect you. But the Lord said to me, I've got to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm not just going to be bound, but I'm ready to die because if I die, I'm getting up again. The God that I serve is the firstborn from the dead. He's the first fruit and whatever he says, I'm going to do. I'm talking about the whole council of God. The next city I want to talk about is Rome. Paul determined after 32 years of ministry, I've got to go to Rome because Jesus told him in a vision to go to Rome. Paul was in a city where he was discouraged because everybody was against him. They had to let him over the wall in a basket to get him out. And, and Jesus said, listen, I've got many in this city. Don't be discouraged. He said, Paul, you must go to Rome. And so Paul, determined to go to Rome, had three hearings on the way. When they found out that he was a Roman citizen, they said, you know what? We can't just take this man in chains. We got to at least get him in front of Felix, Festus, and Agrippa. He went to governors all the way up to the king. And when he got to King Agrippa, he told his story. Paul was communicating the whole counsel of God. He declared it everywhere he went. And his purpose was to get Agrippa saved. His purpose was to let him know, I'm not looking to be set free from you because you can't bind me. I'm looking to get to Rome because Jesus said, I've got to go to Rome. But as he told his story, 
to Agrippa, he said to Paul, much learning has made you mad. Paul said, no, 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 that's not it. And he began to proclaim the gospel. And Agrippa said, almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. Almost. I sense by the Holy Ghost that some of you, some of you who are watching this video, some of you who are watching live right now, almost, you are almost there. I want you to know that not just almost, but all together, you ought to come to this Jesus. He's all right. I wish somebody would type, he's all right. He's all right. I can tell you he's all right because when I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me and now safe am I. What I want you to know is love lifted me and love can lift you. This Jesus, let, let's talk about the whole counsel of God. This Jesus that I'm talking about was born of a virgin, not by the will of man, but a virgin. He was conceived by the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost. That's why Paul said the church of God was purchased with his own blood. He was the full substance of God. He was in the form of man, but he was the fullness of the Godhead. He grew up, he lived, he, he had pains and tribulations just like you and me. He was tempted, but he was without sin. I'm still talking about the whole counsel of God. He was without sin. He lived for 30 years and ministered only for three years. But in three years, John the Beloved wrote, if everything he did would have been written, even the world couldn't hold the books. I'm talking about Jesus, who never wrote a book in his life, but there are more books written about him than anyone who ever walked the face of the earth. He lived, and then he hung on a cross, for you and for me. We didn't deserve for him to suffer the way he suffered, but he willingly did it. Love kept him on the cross. He loved you so much that he hung there. And while those who were mocking him, those who had beat him, those who took his garments, those who spat upon him, those who put a crown of thorns on his head, those who beat him with a cat, of nine tails, which had hooks that ripped his flesh and mangled it. The prophet Isaiah said his visage was so marred, he didn't have the appearance of a man. You couldn't tell, he was so disfigured. He went through all of that, and yet hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's gracious, he's kind, he's forgiving, he's loving, and even when we spit on him, even when we mock him, even when we walk away from him, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. God wants you to know what you're doing, and we know by receiving the whole counsel of God, but that's not where the story ends. He then gives up the ghost, and he dies, 
And before he went to the cross, he spoke these words, no one takes my life. I've got power to lay it down and I've got power to take it up. And three days later, he brought that word to pass because he got up out of the grave. And I want you to know, while he was in the grave, he wasn't just taking a nap. He wasn't resting for three days. The Bible said he who descended also ascended. In other words, he went down into the lower parts of hell and he went and took the keys of death and hell from the enemy of our soul. That's why Paul wasn't afraid to go to Jerusalem. He said, I'm ready to die for the name of Jesus because life is in him. Life is in him. He, he took the keys of death and hell from Satan. I can't imagine what Satan and his demons felt as Jesus walked towards him in the, and opened up the gates of hell, which can never prevail against his church, and said, open up, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord mighty in battle, the Lord of hosts is his name. He got up. And for 40 days, 40 is the number of testing, he was with his disciples. The Bible says more than 500 saw him, and he told them to wait for another 10 days, and the Spirit of God came. I want you to know something about the whole counsel of God. It gives us clarity. It gives us clarity through this same Jesus who lived, suffered, and died, and rose again from the grave. When God wanted to scatter people, he confused the language. He confused language. At the Tower of Babel, they were building up a temple to heaven because man's desire was to be like God. That's why the fruit, the forbidden fruit was eaten. And then now they're building a tower. God looked down and said, if they do this, nothing will be impossible to them. And so God confused the language. And the Bible said people were scattered all over the earth. When we don't communicate a right in our language, there's a scattering. There's a scattering. But when we communicate, and when God communicates in a language we understand, there's a gathering. What are you talking about? On the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came and clothing tongues sat upon each of them. And when they went into the streets, they were speaking in tongues, and there were people from every nation, every kindred, every tribe, and they heard them speaking in their own language. The same God who caused language to scatter gathered people. And the Bible says when they heard the sound, 
the people gathered together. God wants to release a sound in the earth that is based on the whole counsel of God that will cause people to gather together and hear in a language that they can understand, something that they can relate to. And the people said they're glorifying God. They're glorifying God. It was clear that they were giving God the glory. It was clear that every one of them who were speaking in different tongues and languages that were not their own, they were communicating to the people who God had gathered. They came every year for a thief. But this year, something different was happening. God was moving. I believe that we're in a season where something different is happening. There's a move of God where the whole counsel of God is going to be declared. Everything else is rejected. Everything else is unacceptable. Only the counsel of God. And that's why I wanted to proclaim the CGA fast so that we can prepare ourselves and be vessels of honor and not empty vessels. We want to be vessels that are full of the Spirit of God so that what comes out of our mouth is the counsel of God. It's not opinion. It's not innuendo. It's not murmuring and complaining. It's not mockery. It's not based on our intellect. It's based on the Spirit of the living God who holds all things in His hands. Somebody say amen. Somebody talk to me in the chat room. The whole counsel of God. I want to take us now to Psalms 1, where the psalmist talks about both ends of the spectrum. Psalms 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 3 and bring this thing home. It reads, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The opposite of the counsel of God is the counsel of the ungodly. And there are times because there are people that we know, that we respect, and even love, we listen to their counsel. I can love you and listen to you with an open ear and an open heart, but that doesn't mean I follow your counsel because I know the difference between godly counsel and ungodly counsel, and I am not going to walk in that counsel. In other words, to walk in it means you give me advice, I take it, and then I act it out or I live it out. If it's ungodly, not going to happen. Not going to happen. We're blessed if we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. Who are the scornful? To be scornful is to have great disdain. It's, a, it's a, a very intense emotion. It's like I heard someone recently say, a prominent person, religion is stupid. That's scornful. That person has disdain for organized religion. 
Now, you can have an opinion, but that your opinion doesn't make it right. But when you say religion is stupid, now you're sitting in the seat of the scornful. Now, the psalmist gives the contrast, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, we delight in the word of God. The word that is in our mouths is the word of God. That's how we can not shun to declare the whole counsel of God because the word of God is in us. And in his law, he meditates day and night. No time for the foolishness. When you see me coming, I got them on my mind. We have on our mind our thoughts. The things that we ruminate about is the word of God day and night. If I'm daydreaming, I'm daydreaming about him. That's what the psalmist is saying. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. For those of us who walk in the counsel of God, in the whole counsel of God, we're like trees that are planted by the waters. It doesn't matter if the sun is scorching. It doesn't matter if there is a drought, the roots go deep and there's water. Even if the river looks dried up, underneath there's water. And that's why the psalmist said, your leaf will not wither. It will always be green and full of life. That's what the people of God are like who receive the whole counsel of God. And if we receive it, that's what we ought to impart. I got to tell you, there's no greater counselor. In the, in the book of Isaiah 9 or, or chapter 6, he is described as a wonderful counselor. I used to put the two together, wonderful counselor. But as I looked more closely, it's wonderful, comma, counselor which means those are two separate thoughts. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He's wonderful. If you just think about how wonderful he is, you wouldn't want counsel from anyone else. He's wonderful. He's so wonderful. He is wonderful, and he's also a counselor. There's no other place we need to seek counsel than the counsel of God. Human relationships are important. That's not what I'm saying. We need to interact with each other. We need each other. But I want to surround myself with godly people so that the counsel I receive builds me up. It edifies me. It allows me to have wells that run deeper so that when I impart, when I open my mouth, there's something that's going to inspire, something that's going to encourage, something that's going to minister hope because the counsel of God is in me. And so I'm careful about the people that I surround myself with. And God has blessed me with those who are like-minded, 
who want themselves to be in the presence of God. And when you are around people like that, there's a time to give and there's a time to receive. And we've got to discern, when do I give? And when I give, I want to give the whole counsel of God. There's a time to receive because I'm running low. I want to receive the whole counsel of God. Not flattery, not things that sound nice. I want to receive the counsel of God. And so I want to declare unto you today the whole counsel of God. And what Paul was saying is, when I opened my mouth, it was about the the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that could take on many facets. But if you walk through his journey, whether he was talking to barbarians or kings, what he proclaimed was the counsel of God. And I pray today that those of you who are in that space of almost like Agrippa, that you would all together give yourself to him because he's so wonderful. He's so kind. He has what you need and he'll give it to you when you need it. He wants you to take the first step as he did with Paul, a step of obedience. When Paul asked, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, go to the city and then I'll tell you what you must do. There are things that you've been asking of God. He wants you to take the first step and then he will tell you what you must do. He will tell you your purpose. He will make clear to you why you were born, why you were put on this earth, and what it is he has in your hands for you to do. You are so much more. You are so much more. I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for those who are in the balance, who are fearful that if they come to you, they're giving up something. But God, I pray that you would reveal to them right now in a language they understand that you are gain. You are never loss. You are only gain. Show them, God, your way. Let them sense your love. Let them sense your love. They've been rejected. Some of them haven't been treated well in organized religion. Let them know today this is not about religion. This is about relationship. And teach them true religion that is undefiled, that they might come and take care of orphans and widows and do those things that please you. May you change their heart forever. Now, today, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God keep you. May the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, smile upon you today. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May his blessings 
go before you and your children and their children and their children. May it be upon you for many generations to come. God is for you. And if he be for you, who can be against you? Go in power and go in peace. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.